welcome. Thank you for uh, for coming today. Um, I, I said this yesterday, but I'll say it again today. I think one of the, the blessings that comes out of CEA is that we remember how exhausting it is to be a student, um, right? And like we're you're getting to the end of a second hour of learning. It's like, oh boy, I don't know if I can make it. Um, so it's good. It's good. It's just a good reminder. If we see our kids wilting, uh, we understand a little bit better. Uh, all right. So we're going to talk a little bit about first jumps into getting kids into their Bibles, like to actually open the pages of their Bibles and use them um, in the in the classroom. I'd love to get a lay of the land. Um, who's? Um, I mean, uh, maybe. Is there any K through K one two teachers here? All right, uh, three, four, five teachers, middle school, college professors. Uh, okay, so um, that's great. We've got a nice stretch, and I think each of you will find um, something that hopefully you can can take with you. Um, so here's my contact information. I'll share this contact information at the end. Um, uh, with um, if you if you want to get a hold of me, if you have questions about anything that I am um, sharing. Uh, today. Um, I also have this link. This is the link for this whole presentation. And so if you grab this link, and I'll share this link again at the end, um, uh, then you will have and every every resource I talk about or whatever, it's all linked on here. Um, I learned yesterday that something happened over the summer, and some of the links I got like are reset, and that they're only now accessible for people who are at Grand Rapids Christian, you guys know what I'm talking about where you send it out to somebody and it's only accessible within your district. If you get that and want it, just request it. I'll, I'll let you in. Okay? <laughs> um, I thought I caught it all, but based on the rather large list of people I need to allow access uh, to things, <laughs> apparently, apparently I didn't get it all. That's fine. That's fine. I got it. We all have time. Uh, Alright, so goals for our time together. Actually, I'm totally going to have my fifth grade to do it. Um, She'll, she'll do a great job of it. It'll get done faster. Um, so over, uh, just we're going to talk about kind of overarching goals. What, you know, what's the point? Why do we want the kids to get in these in the first place? Our posture and approach um, uh, to, to uh, integrating the Bible. Just getting that book open. How do we do that? Um, things that we can use to guide our uh, discussion of the Bible. Um, uh, formats that allow you not to be the, the answer giver, but uh, uh, that allow for kind of classroom wondering together. Um, um, how to navigate difficult things in the Bible. Um, I think a lot of times um, that keeps, keeps teachers, parents from, from opening because they don't want, you can read Noah, but don't read the end of Noah, right? Um, and so how do we, how do we navigate that? Um, assessment, we'll talk a little bit about that. And then um, all of the resources I share, I'm going to link them there. Um, so if there's anything there that you're interested in, you can see it for yourself. Well, questions at the end. Okay, so uh, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That's why. That's why. That's why we get our Bibles open. Um, this is what my kids are using in, in the, the classroom, this Adventure Bible. Anybody else using the Adventure Bible like this? Great. Um, I, as I said in my last session, um, my kids read out of this while I read out of this. Um, it's the same words, uh, the same text, NIV. Um, but I, am, I just find that um, 
being armed with a good study Bible goes a long way. Um, and I think there's just some good conversations that come up, you know, as we're reading through our study Bible and somebody has a question. My study Bible has awesome illustrations of the tabernacle and cool maps and all that kind of thing. And so I have kind of like these ooh-la-la moments, like, you guys have really good Bibles here, but look at my study Bible. Like, look at all this, right? Um, and uh, kids see me using the tools uh, in that study Bible. So if they have a question, I mean, pretty much in my study Bible, half the content is commentary on what's up above. And oftentimes, cultural things will come up that I don't quite understand that are better explained down below. Uh, I can play the game where I sound like I know these things, but I tell them, you know, actually, in my study Bible, it says that communicates. I'm, I'm teaching them more than what they just asked me. I'm teaching them that you look to others who study, that you care deeply about what the, the Bible says, that you maybe even get, you know, um, that you study the Bible. <laughs> that we, that's it, right? So there's some messaging there that I think is, uh, is really important. I talked to my friend Mark Vanderwerf here at the high school. I said, what study Bible should I get? And he sent me to this one, and I love it. Um, yeah, big honking thick thing. Um, so um, one of the things that, that happens when you spend time in, in the Word, and, and one of the silver linings, I should say, of uh, COVID for us, my, my pastors and their great wisdom said, okay, this is the year we're going to do a year through the Bible. <laughs> It's actually a year-ish through the Bible. And it's been wonderful because um, we, we, I mean, we were home a lot. And we had more time to, uh, to read. And we needed scripture more, I feel, in this last year uh, than I probably any other time in my life. Um, it's been hard, right? And so, but I found that the more you spend, uh, spend time in scripture, the more you, like, understand where things are and connections are made. Um, just like when you move to an area you don't know very well, but as time goes on, you start to know different ways to get there, and you, you get to learn the, lays, uh, the lay of the land. Obviously, when you read scripture, you start to see overarching themes. You start to see connections. Um, and I find that those connections are often kind of like thrown at me, where I just, you know, you listen to a sermon, or you listen to a uh, school chapel, and these things, they just start to come together in ways that can't be explained other than through the, the power of the Spirit, right? Um, but those connections don't get made if, if that Bible piece doesn't, doesn't come, or, it's, 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 or it's, it's harder for those connections to come together. Um, we can see connecting to other stories as well. And also, um, you, can, you get to know the various formats of the Bible. I think a lot of kids, the Bible that they're learning from is very narrative. They learn all the stories. And then the Bible, if they open it you know, at church or see a church, it's just like, man, they just seem like two different Bibles. Um, and so the more we get uh, work our way through the Bible, the more they become familiar with those various um, formats um, uh, or, or genres. Um, and so we, we have to give them exposure. They have to open up uh, their Bibles. Um, and uh, this is a, a verse that, that I think I, I want to say almost every one of my kids has had to memorize this um, in fifth, second, and third. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. Now this is, it's interesting. This is a verse that many kids know. have no idea maybe where it is in the Bible or like the power of Psalm 119. It's, I mean, it's just amazing, right? Um, when we give kids their Bible memory, do we just give them a slip of paper with an isolated Bible memory or do they actually look it up in their Bible? Like get in there, right? So we have a Bible memory bookmark. 
and we just use the same bookmark, and, and we mark that page, they should see it within its context, right? So um, part of it, I mean, that's the goal. We're trying to um, give them that, that exposure uh, as well. So how do we approach the test? Um, uh, I think we don't want to do things wrong. We don't want to screw it up. We don't want to get ourselves into a sticky conversation with parents about seven-day creation. We don't want to... Uh, we don't want to mess up their understanding of scripture because we feel like we don't understand it ourselves. Um, and, and so all of these things, all, and efficiency, efficiency, man oh man, is it faster for me to find that verse than those kids? I'm going to just read it, or I'll just pop it up on the screen. There's a time and place for that. Popping it up on the screen, that's fine. Can't do that all the time, though, right? We have to get them in there. So how do we approach the text? Um, I... I try and be as honest as I can with my students in just saying that when I read the Bible, more often than not, I have more questions than answers at the end. Good readers have questions at the end of their reading. They wonder about things. They, they, they think about, okay, I know what that meant for them then, but what does that mean for me for me now. So we just approach it very humble and open-minded, right? Um, uh, you know, let, the, let the, the scripture speak for itself, right? We, we come up with curiosity and wonder. You do not have to read long into Genesis to, uh, you know, Cain and Abel. We read Cain and Abel. Well, um, uh, you know, the mark is on, on the forehead so that no one will kill Cain. Who else is there to kill Cain? <laughs> Right? Um, and so, and these are great questions, you know. Uh, and so, um, for, for me, one of the things, especially as we're working our way through Genesis, which is a theological, there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on and a lot of big questions that, that I can't answer. You know, I always say, man, we don't have footage of what exactly happened then and there. I often feel like sometimes the Bible is trying to describe something that we cannot understand. Um, and maybe we're just getting a slice of this story. Like, other, God was doing other things, because isn't that how it works? Like, we know our story, but God is doing other things outside of us as well, right? And so, just coming with a posture of, like, not, not everything's up in the air, we have no idea, but just saying, well, what, what are you wondering about? What are you thinking about? Inviting that engagement, right? Not, not giving a quick answer, right? Um, we, um, we approach Scripture with hope and trust. You need to know that when you open scripture, God will bless it. And we can be confident in that. And so those fears we might have about getting into kind of some delicate things, uh, know that God will work through you, uh, where he calls the eclipse. And uh, it's going to take some vulnerability. Uh, oh, uh, just the other day, we, uh, we were reading, so we're just making our way through, through the, those first chapters of, of Genesis. Um, I'm supposed to just do... Day one, here's a picture of a one, draw a light and dark, da, da, da. No. Open your Bibles. Genesis 1. Here we go. We're going to just read through this thing. There's such a cool repetition and whatever. So we're, we're jumping into this, and then, of course, we get to the, the verse that says, and Adam and Eve were naked, and they felt no shame. And I said, and now you giggle. And they giggle. <laughs> and so there's the verse that we could avoid, or we could just hit it dead on, and I could say, how many of you have younger siblings that have no problem running through the house naked? They have no shame whatsoever. Right? 
they just feel accepted and loved just as they are. That's what it's like for Adam and Eve. They felt accepted and loved. Right? So it's just going in, you know, and, and recognizing that they, they, they're going to giggle and that's fine. Um, um, and so, I don't know, having a kind of being able to be vulnerable a little bit, um, this takes time, uh, but I, I really feel like it's essential. Part of the reason I have this picture here is when we do Bible, and we, we're getting better at this. Uh, last year, we were just all our own little islands six feet apart from each other. But I usually, they grab their Bibles, we sit in a, a small group. Uh, you know, it's, it's a much more kind of close, intimate. I don't use my screen very much um, during this time. All right? So, getting comfortable with the layout of the Bible. So, we have this great unit at the beginning of the third grade year called Bible Explorers. And it goes through and it lays out what's a table of contents. How do you figure, find where the books of the Bible are? Uh, what are the footnotes? Now, how do you use those? There's some great footnotes in, um, in the Genesis passage I messaged. Uh, uh, I mentioned one of the things we learned is that Adam means man and kind of sounds like the word for dirt, dirt man. That's pretty cool. The kids think, like, that's awesome, dirt man, Adam. That makes sense, right? Um, and, uh, right? Uh, and so there's some cool things there. Uh, concordances. So if there's a certain topic they're looking up, we do that looking at maps and other text features. So there's a whole unit on that, so we really rock that unit. It's a great way to start the year. Um, it is a requirement in fourth grade in our building to learn the books of the Bible. So I say, if you do it in third grade, I'll give you a trophy. It's not a requirement. I don't give trophies for something you, you have to do anyways. But if you want to, I'll give you this very expensive gold, solid gold-covered plastic trophy. It's about this big, six of them at the dollar store. But of course, when I grab it, I always pretend it's very heavy. You know, uh, you know, and then they pick it up and lift it up. It's like, oh, it's like, yeah, whatever. This stuff we do, right? Um, and, um, and then you, of course, get your name on the Wall of Fame, um, which is just a piece of paper where they write their names. Um, uh, last year, every child did it. Okay? With this much practice in school. Okay? Now, I have a couple of little tips I can show you for that. Um, we have some songs. There's like two songs. I bet you if I started singing, some of you would sing along with me. Um, but um, this is so helpful. This is the, the if these were $2 a piece, they'd be worth it. Uh, or $3, because the rest of the year, what happens when I say turn to Malachi, they find it. That time's worth something, isn't it? Like that they would be just comfortable knowing right where it is, right? And I'll be honest in saying that those songs are super helpful for me when it's like, where is Hebrews? Like that, just those small books at the end of that, you know, like I find myself even singing through that song as I'm going through, which is just ridiculous. So I have, uh, there's two songs, and I don't know even if the volume is going to work here. I, I link them here. Uh, and all I did for two weeks straight is one time during our snack time, I played this song. And I shared these links with kids. Um, I don't want to. <laughs> sent home 
Good, okay, she's helping her out. You want me to print the homework? And then she got it at home, and then I tried to help her with it, and she said, you can't help me. And I'm thinking, I printed. <laughs> Whatever. Um, but what's really good, so I got this backstage pass, right, uh, to see, like, what is it like when we, like, expect parents to read the newsletter or sign up for things. Or, you know, you just, it's good, right? And um, she got this, and she was, she, the link was sent out, and so what had happened, she wanted her little trophy. So what did she do? She listened to this nonstop for two days, and she had it. Um, and it's fun. The kids like it. Um, and you know they like it because they sing it on the way out to recess. Right? And in the bus line. Right? And what happened was, by the end of that week, my preschooler. Now, she has no idea what she's saying. <laughs> she has no idea. And nor would that information be helpful looking through the Bible. You probably need to know how to read. Um, but the fact is, like, there's some power in this. So this is it. This is like the magic trick that we use. Uh, th these songs were just super helpful. And they're catchy. And um, I, I won't play the next one. But this, you get the idea. They're right here. They're, they're there for you to grab. All right. So choosing the right text. Um, there are lots of different Bibles out there. And um, some do, I mean, this is just a gift to teachers and families. And a girl in my class who said she didn't have a Bible at home, she's a lower reader. Two days later, Amazon sent this to my house, and now she owns it, right? Um, so there's some really good things here. There are some other options out there. I have action Bibles. Now, I do not use these for instructional purposes. Every once in a while, a kid will like show me, like, oh, I saw that, and, and we'll, I'll show the pictures or whatever. It's comic booky. Um, which you may or may not feel comfortable with. It's fine. Uh, the kids are really, my, my students, I have five or six, ver and, and often like in the morning when they come in, if they got free reading time, I won't do this like during our reader's workshop, but I'll make it available to kids if they want to read that. Um, this is my favorite storybook Bible that they don't make anymore, or the one that they sell is like this big. It's tiny. So if you can get your hands on this one, what I love about it is it is a storybook Bible, but it includes all the stories, not just the ones that fit well in a, uh, you know what I'm saying, like includes Eglin getting stabbed and, you know, the, the, all of the stories that are in your curriculum are, are in here, uh, which is um, excellent. And it's got some really great kind of cultural artifacts and things like that. I really like that. I, I got, I found, I found one at a garage sale. And, but if you go on Amazon right now to buy the original one, it's out of print. It's like $100 or something like that that they wanted for it. So so I'll sell you my garage sale one for like $99. Uh, <laughs> so if you just come on up, we'll talk. Um, this, is the, this is the Adventure Bible. I still think I spent a lot of time um, with the, uh, the CSI Bible Symposium looking through Bibles. I still think it's, for what we're doing, I think it's the best out there for kids. I, I really still feel like they're doing a good job. Whether or not we're going to be shifting as years go on to a different a reader version or whatever, but the NIV, I just feel like that's great. And then again, here's the Bible um, that I'm, I'm reading as, uh, or using as well. That's the new cover, I believe. It might be slightly different uh, if you see it from yourself. It's the exact same text as the students, though. So you can still read yours. Uh, the only thing is if you want page numbers, you're going to have to look at their Bible to do it. So guiding questions. So sometimes, um, and I mentioned this a little bit in the last session, that um, sometimes it's just have to, like, good to have like overarching questions. Or you look at your Bible lesson and you're like, oh, the way they approach this is just not. Uh, maybe they're taking a story that's very complex and boiling it down into something that's much simpler uh, than, than really you feel is, is honest. Um, so 
One of the things I had mentioned is, how does what we read today point us to Christ? Right? So the example I gave, and I got a bulletin board here, sorry for those of you getting a little repeat information here. Um, we had arrows that we wrote on here, so if the story, um, oh, the story of um, Jacob being um, thrown in a pit, um, you know, we can make tons of, I'm sorry, what's that? Yeah. Jacob got thrown in a pit. Oh, man, it's, it's a little hard when, when the person who's leading the Bible section will kind of mistakes those two, but that's all right. A little grace here today. Um, um, but, um, um, you, you know, then we'd say, okay, that connects because, you know, um, well, there's a ton of connections you, you could write. And so we draw that, and this, on this side I have my Old Testament connections, my New Testament, but they all point to uh, this. And actually, I mean, the perfect example of this is that storybook Bible. Every storybook Bible story ends with connection to Christ in the great, fantastic rescue plan. Um, and so having something like that to guide your thinking even if, I mean, you know, um, I, I think that's just a good, a good format to follow. Um, all right. So, in fact, here are some examples. I should have just gone. So, we talked about um, Moses. God made a way for the Israelites when there seemed to be no way. God would send Jesus to save us, too. He's the way, right? Um, the story points to Jesus because, oh, with Joshua, just as God used Joshua to show his power, God would use his people to show his power through Jesus. So, these were the examples uh, that, um, just some of them that we had uh, from there. Alright, so this is something that is used in actually children's worship at my, uh, at my church. Uh, looking for the good. Um, and so, in this story, what do we learn about God? What do we learn about others? What do we learn about ourselves? And what is God calling us to do? That's pretty sweet. Um, it, it connects to uh, a lot of different things when I look at it. There's some, obviously some reflection, response. It reminds me of just like concepts of shalom. What does it say about our relationship with God? What does it say about our relationship with others? What does it say about our relationship with ourselves or with the world? Um, I thought this was awesome. Um, and so this is this is what they use, and they respond to it. So I've seen this in a in a, uh, like I said, a children's worship, and really they just had the you know the story at the top, and they had this kind of down at the bottom, and they drew an illustration uh, to go along with it. But I thought this was very rich, and I've used this with my small group. Like, adult small group, we read a passage together, and we say, what does it say about God? What does it say about others? This is, I think, a full gamut. Um, all right, similar kind of thing. What do we learn about God? What do we learn about others? What do we learn about relating to God? What do we learn about relating to others? This is that, um, uh, I'm just trying to think. Um, this, is a, this is built off of a sermon format that I'm forgetting the name of. Um, but um, similar idea, similar idea. Um, Uh, another one, God is, which means I am and we are, and now what? Right? So this could be a uh, reflection, this could be a response, um, some just larger themes that would be good. And I can see how, um, if you read through certain stories, even as part of your devotion, you can use things like this. What I, what I love about this is it's just why it opens, it's so open to wonder and to, to questioning. Um, it's, it's a prompt to start discussion. It's not an answer to fill in a blank. See, think, wonder. See, think, wonder. Um, this is great. So reflecting on what you first noticed in the text, what we can draw from the, what we can draw from the text, and where we can continue to explore. Um, see, think, wonder is a great, a great thing to use for this as well. And some of us are using that um, as well. Um, ah, Dale Isinga. Alan Christian, one of my favorite quotes. What does what you have learned today 
or how does what you've learned today enhance your view of God, his world, and your place in it? So he is a biology biology or science uh, teacher at the high school at Hong Christian. And um, he just has this on his desk. It's like on his desk laminated. It's stuck there. It's on the wall. And that's, the, that's what they do all year. Whatever, whatever content. So this is not even just Bible. Just like look at this. You can use it for social studies. You can use this for whatever, for math. Um, it's great. There are a million other frameworks like that. that these are the ones I kind of cherry picked out that I think would be good for the group. But there's tons of them. Uh, Bible Gateway has a, a bunch of really great resources. Um, with you know, there's uh, another one, five questions to ask. Um, just great, great ways for approaching um, the text. All right, but what about those difficult texts? What about those texts that we're trying to avoid? Because uh, I, I have stumbled into things where it's like, ooh, wow, that happened with Moses. That is right. Um, so how do we work through the tough stuff, right? How do we deal with uh, content like David's infidelity, Noah's drunkenness, the virgin birth, just learning what a virgin is, that's something, um, circumcision, uh, Judas's suicide, Moses committing murder, Moses the murderer. That doesn't come out for some reason. We don't share that detail. And, and to me, that's, that's wrong. I mean, it's a really important part of the story. Um, and um, so then they find out later that was kind of kept from them. There's, 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 a, there's a balance here, isn't there, between not leading them so far off that they get lost and it's like, what in the world? But also being honest and open about the fact that um, there's only one perfect person in the Bible, and Noah ain't one of them. Right? And nor is, nor is uh, you know, Moses. We, we, we call them heroes of faith, which is great, but they need to know that they're only heroes of faith because they're broken people that God used. Right? So, uh, so much violence. You can't read the Old Testament and not just like, you know, whole cities should be burned to the ground. No children or women should be left behind. It's like, oh, boy, what do we do with this? All right? Um, it really depends. It depends. Uh, there is a reason why the Jesus Storybook Bible is what it is, because it hits kids where they need to be, right? But at some point, um, they realize that there's more to the Bible than that. There are stories that are not there. And um, just as there are different things, you know, uh, you know, there's a certain uh, age when, when kids are at school where they do sex ed because they're developmentally ready for it. Um, you have to do something that they're developmentally ready for. And guess what? You're experts on the developmental readiness of your students. You really are. You know that age group. You know, you know, so that's always one of these things, and this is a, you know, parenting, parenting advice I'm ever getting, is answer the question honestly with as much as they need, right? Um, you know, so we'll, we'll get into that a little bit here, but just think about, like, the life experience of your students, right? That impacts things, right? Uh, the knowledge your students already have, right? The knowledge your students already have. So if there are connections to things that, that um, you know, um, I, got, I got to imagine, I, I, I can't speak, but, you know, if you tell the story of, of, um, of uh, you know, multiple times in the Bible where people are trying to get pregnant, and you're a pregnant teacher uh, while you're telling that story, <laughs> that changes the whole story, doesn't it? Um, um, right? So, so a lot of it's just like, what life experience are they in right now? Um, um, the maturity of the group. Right, so the group this year, I knew I could say we're going to get to that giggle passage. We laughed and we moved on. Last year's group, I would have had to approach it a little differently. Right? Um, we also need to focus on the overall significance within the greater text. Is that like a key thing that has to be dealt with? 
Um, you know, can you hear the whole story of uh, Jesus' trial, triumphal entry, death and resurrection, and, and be fed by it and uh, amazed by it without hearing about um, Judas' suicide? You can. You can. And so there's a, there's a point in place, and that's where um, you have to make some decisions. I should just say this. You're not making these decisions alone, right? So a lot of it, too, is like, how much time do I have to even explain this thing? Right, that question is so good. Uh, you know, why did God even put the tree of uh, the knowledge of good and even evil in the garden two minutes before PE? <laughs> Let's continue with that question tomorrow, right? Uh, and then the desires of your school and its families. Um, this is a balance, right? Uh, um, you ultimately have to do what is right for you. Um, and you're going to have parents in your classroom that want you to just share it all. And you're going to have parents in your classroom that are, are going to want to be very careful. I got in big trouble um, letting my students read about drunken Noah in second grade. I will just be really honest. I, I went head to head with a parent on it. Um, but I'm still teaching. It's no big deal. Um, <laughs> and now I'm leading a session on Bible teaching. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> No, but, it, uh, you know, there's those balances, and, and you know what, that's just life and community, and it's what we're called to do. So, a um, couple things you can do that are helpful. Preview the lesson. <laughs> um, the CSI Bible curriculum, um, for better or for worse, they do a really good job of just saying, hey, just so you know, there's this part. Like, in this verse, you know, just know that this section, and they do a really good job of that. So, previewing the lesson, not just the main idea, which we sometimes do, but really looking through that. Um, and also, like, when you hit those, not bumps in the road, but those things where it's like, ooh, I wasn't, put a sticky note on there for next year. That's always a nice gift to yourself, to future you. Um, Pre-read the biblical text. So you should see it for yourself. Often the text that you're going to be reading with your kids isn't that long, because they can't sit for that long, right? You're just choosing what text you're going to um, read. So knowing what comes before and after the text you are reading. So just looking at it, opening it up for yourself. Because often there's some pretty intense headings that's like, ooh, what's that all about? And they want to keep reading. Okay? Um, and then flag delicate or difficult topics in the text. Not so that you can avoid them, but just so that you're ready for them. Um, for example, if we're going to come across a topic that's, that's um, very difficult, I might say to students, hey, before we open our Bibles today, you should just know that our Bible lesson today is going to require a lot of maturity on your part. So you opening your Bible today is a sign to me that you're ready to be mature. Right? Just that little preview, they know they're, they're being honored, um, and, and um, it helps you navigate some of those potholes um, that they may come up along the way. All right? So confusing our new vocabulary, circumcision. There's some confusing a new vocabulary, right? Um, uh, and uh, specific moments that may just require additional maturity, I, like just to prep them for that. Just say, hey, this is, this is um, hard. This is going to be hard stuff. Um, so let's just be ready for that. Um, or, or specific moments that might be just confusing or upsetting. Um, just letting them know that we're going to read something today that's really challenging and for me is really challenging. Um, and so just know that that's, that's something we can plan on. We're going to, um, sometimes when we read the Bible, it's, it's um, less challenging. Today is not one of those days, right? Um, and this, you are not alone. I think so many of us think that we have to make these decisions on our own, in the moment. And that's just not the truth, right? 
Um, you, you, the best ideas in your building are right next door. The best ideas in your building are, or I should say, for you to do this, are in your building, they're right next door. Um, you have experienced teachers who have, who have done these things, and sometimes they're the wrong way that can help you learn from their mistakes. Using storybook Bibles is one way to present information at an age-appropriate level. So uh, I, this is not me saying you should not use storybook Bibles. But there does have to come a point where we, where we do actually read right out of the text. Uh, and um, obviously sticking to with purposeful and developmentally appropriate scope and sequence. So that's another thing that was really well thought out in the, in the CSI Bible curriculum. What, what are they ready for? And I really do think that their scope and sequence, uh, we all have our own, you know, any curriculum. Nobody loves all of their curriculum, right? Uh, there's, there's things that I think could be better. Um, but I feel like they've done a good job with this, scaffolding that to where it's appropriate for kids. Um, there are parts you can paraphrase. Now, paraphrasing, ooh, are you going like, to commit a heresy by, by uh, paraphrasing for kids? Sometimes it's just like, okay, now this next section here, um, we don't have time to read it today, but you can just know that this is a general sense of what it. Now, I'm going to give you actually what I think you need to know and skim over this part that actually is just a total diversion from what the focus of the lesson is. And so let's pick up back at verse 14, and then there we go. Um, I don't, it, that may sound a little bit like, I'm going to just kind of shape this over here and distract you for just a bit, and then we're going to move on. But I really, this is where, like, you need to know, like, what's your goal here? What are you, what are you trying to accomplish? We can, get, we can get lost in certain details. And there are some kids that when things come up, maybe they're sexual in nature, once that comes up, they're gone. And you can't get them back. Um, and that's what they're talking about on the playground later today. Right? So, um, um, and so thinking about how we communicate delicate content. So um, the notes of the study Bible usually does a really good job of kind of uh, parsing some of those things out. Um, I think one thing, too, kids will ask a question. And I think we feel like we have to get the answer right away. Um, and this is true for any hot-button question. We get lots of hot-button questions now. Uh, a lot of buzzwords and things like that that fly around. And one of the best things you can say is, that's such an important question. I'd like some time with that. Can I talk with you about that tomorrow? I need some time to think about that. That's, so, and then going on, it's like, how do you talk to kids about? Uh, or just going to another, another colleague and just saying, hey, how are you presenting this information? Uh, there's, like I said, the CSI has a great um, ideas within their curriculum for those of you who are using that as well. Um, so uh, the, the truth is, you are equipped for this. Whether or not you think you are, you are. There's a reason you're in this room. There's a reason that you're in your classroom. Uh, you're the, you're, uh, you are equipped to, to, to do this, um, this hard work. And so when you come across these things that are challenging, and you're thinking, oh, man, what's this going to look like? Man, spending some time thinking and just trusting your gut uh, with like what your students need and saying a prayer and asking for the Holy Spirit's guidance and just speaking the truth in a loving and developmentally appropriate way. Um, often a simple answer, you know, um, and I think I've got some other examples here. Oh, um, so let me, let me just give you some examples here. I think this will help. So... How did Abraham have a baby with Hagar? All right? So we might say something like, in the times of the Bible, it was common for a man to have more than one wife. Okay? So Abraham had two wives. For some kids, that's all they need. That's all they need. 
Because this question sure sounds like a reproductive question, doesn't it? But really, if we, if we know our kids, we know that actually what they just want to know is how does that, how does that work? How does it, well, in the Bible, it, it was not uncommon for a man to have two wives. We've answered the question that they were actually asking without having to breathe into a paper bag <laughs> as we're doing it, right? Moses murdered someone or Noah got drunk, right? So we, we can see these examples. Like you and me, they made sinful choices. Redirect. Can God use sinful people? Right? So we're not saying no, it didn't happen. We're saying, yeah, these are imperfect people. But man, did God use them in big ways. And then you can say, and that's why I know God can use me and you too. Right? We're, this is not a bait and switch. This is honoring the Bible. And, um, and, but also being honest and being open to the fact that there are these hard things that are hard to explain. Uh, what is adultery with Bathsheba? Well, adultery is acting like someone is your husband and wife, or your wife, when they are not. Okay? Now, for some, that wouldn't be enough. What do you mean by, but, but for, for my, my third graders, that is. David took her to be his wife, uh, even though she was someone else's wife. Right? So this is the answer, you know, this is an example of an answer I might give. And this is actually what they're looking for. Um, and so, so thinking like, okay, actually you can, you can step back here a little bit and answer kind of the broader questions. Yeah, what's wrong here is that relationship isn't, isn't right. He's treating someone else's wife like it's their wife. That doesn't feel right, does it, kids, right? Um, um, so uh, anytime you come to a hot-button issue or divisive in nature, there are a lot of different ways, uh, or there are a lot of different views about that in the Bible. Um, and what do, you think, what do you think your parents would say? <laughs> What do you think your parents would say? Um, re responding to a question with a question. Uh, what do you mean by that? Tell me more. Um, what do you think your parents would say? Well, what would your pastor say about that? Because you'll, you'll get a sense real quick what they're actually looking for when they say that. And, and uh, sometimes it's rephrasing the question. You know, I'm not so sure what, that, what you mean by that question. Then you rephrase it and it's like, oh, you're asking that question. That question I can answer. Um, and so... Um, but um, you should, um, uh, yeah, what do you think your parents should say? You should talk with them about this. That's not a total cop-out, but there are certain things I'm sure that you're going to come across and it's like, you know what? Uh, there may be some kids in their families in your school that, you know, like you're, you're reading right out of Bible, seven days of creation. You can just see questions from parents coming up and things like that. We just read the Bible and wondered about creation. That's what we did. There's nothing, I, I have no fear of that. We read what was in the Bible, we wondered what that must have looked like when light first burst, burst into our, our universe, right? We didn't spend a lot of time with clocks or talking about specifics, right? We just wondered at, at creation, right? And so inviting them to have those conversations at home, what, what's the downside of that? Yes? Letter, I always provide questions that they can ask their kid. They're super specific, and the parent, their kids don't kids don't like it because they're used to just getting asked, "How was school?" Fine. What'd you do? Nothing. Um, whereas now they're getting questions that are like, "Tell me about the water cycle." How do you know I learned about the water cycle? <laughs> but that's a great place to bring those things in. Um, yeah. So other options. Um, Again, replying with a question. What do you think? What do you wonder? What do you notice? 
right? How does this fit with the rest of the Bible? So we often do that. We'll take out isolated stories. Isolated stories will be used to prove a point, but then you think it's like, wait, it's actually, in the context of the larger Bible, there's a, there's a bigger thing going on here. Um, pointing students to other passages that might um, give some ideas as well. Uh, uh, I was just mentioning this yesterday when I was talking through technology things. Um, everyone knows how to Zoom now. Everyone knows how to Zoom, like we had to because we had no other option. Um, so your pastor knows how to Zoom. Uh, pull on a pastor. Pull on a pastor. I mean, this is, to me, there's there's some great resources in that as well. Um, uh, have the master friends or, or pastors. Um, and, and this is one I think that there's there's a lot of power in. Just do your research and get back to them. Uh, I want some time to think about that. I'd like to, uh, I don't know. To me, I think uh, that honors, honors what they're getting after. So I... Um, wrote part of where this, this comes from. This actually this a session I did for the CSI Bible Symposium, which was last year, and I wrote um, an article for CSI that just was called um, uh, "Age Appropriate Bible Instruction: How to Handle Gritty Stories." So there's a little bit more information there um, if you would like to um, see that, and I've linked link to it in the presentation. So a couple things about assessment. Um, assessing Bible is hard. You know, you have this this uh, this balance of um, Wanting to take Bible seriously, but also not wanting anyone to say I'm bad at Bible, right? So that's the, that's where we're at, right? That's where we're at. So I'm low enough <laughs> in the elementary that um, uh, that the, the assessment is. A, I, I have more freedom in the assessment. We'll say that we don't have state standards that we have to keep to, like with other things. So we have a little bit more freedom. Uh, in that, and I, I just, it's so hard for me to see little tests that say, okay, was it Jacob or Esau that had hairy arms? Or it's just like, oh my goodness, like what is the point of this, right? Um, and so what do we do? We do a couple different things. We have um, discussions, obviously we do that in class quite a bit. We have some, some, some worksheets and projects. We do recite passage. My formal assessments that I use in third grade look like this, um, and they're reflection. So um, uh, they're not facts-driven assessments, right? They're open-ended questions. So, for example, throughout, uh, throughout his life, God blessed Abraham richly. God uh, made and kept his promises with Abraham. What are some ways that God blesses us? What are some promises that God keeps with us? Just wide open, okay? Um, or, oh, I'm really testing my, my eyesight here. Um, oh, we compare and contrast worship today and worship in the tabernacle. We learn all about the tabernacle, and then I do a lesson on what church is like for me, because for some kids they don't have this half of what worship is like, because they don't participate in worship the same way. And so it's open-ended. What I really like about these is they are totally connected to, oh, um, we learned that, that, that unit that we talked about where we go through the whole Bible. I'd say, okay, somebody comes up to you, they have no idea how to use the Bible. Using these words, concordance, footnotes, table of contents, whatever, use as many of them as you can. Show me a paragraph. What would you tell them if they need to find information in the Bible? Right? So it's open-ended. What's really nice about this is most of these assessments, if you miss a day, you'll still do fine on this. You'll still do fine on this. And they're awesome to send home. There's almost always kind of a larger faith component. but like, So this would be for the unit, the end of the unit. We would have something like this, and we would spend one Bible time really thinking this through. Occasionally, some of these things will be things that we'll do together. Like in the, I have had it where I've done this with the class. 
we've done it together. Um, I realized you might say, well, is that really formal assessment at the end? Um, maybe not, um, but it's what I, I feel is, is, is good and has worked well and has um, helped open larger uh, discussions as well. In each one, they, we try in everyone to connect to the text and to connect to the life of the student in some way, um, which is good. And, and here is where you can see um, vocabulary of like worship and, and knowing <laughs> knowing scripture. It just really comes to life here. Um, some of us start doing like maybe do like faith reflections over the course of the year. I find these because they're a little more specific. They can be even more powerful. All right, favorite resources. Here they are. I've got those Bibles that I mentioned. Um, sample reflection assessment. So if you legit, like if you're third grade, you just want to steal them. They're right here. Uh, you can just take them and grab them for yourself. Uh, and uh, yes, um, videos for the books of the Bible, um, and then some of those um, articles that I thought was was good. There's a great article here by Heidi Dean. Um, a couple of them um, that are really good as well. Thank you. What's that? I heard a question. Though. Okay. Um, shameless plug. Sorry, if you've already been to the session, you've already heard this, but i got to take advantage of it. I wrote a book over, um, over COVID, um, and actually what it was is I wrote a series of devotions for Holy Week that um, I was going to share with families, and then the whole world closed down, um, and it was uh, a, a blessing in disguise because everybody was home with their families, and so what we did is we ended up sharing some devotions across our district through our, just our, our main Facebook page. And I got a really positive response to it. And I ended up um, compiling them into a, a book, which is called The Gift of the Cross, Celebrating Christ Through Holy Week. And where this really comes from is um, every year I do a Jesse tree for Advent. Um, and where we, there's for every, you read the stories from creation through Christ's birth, and there's a little ornament for each one, and the story that goes along with it. Great. Um, I wanted something desperately for years to do with my students and to do with my own children that does not involve an Easter egg. So the resurrection eggs, there is a power, there's power in that last empty resurrection egg. <laughs> but I just wanted something different. And so I developed uh, this uh, cross. Um, and so there's kind of a two-part to this. There's a company called Worship Woodworks. Uh, they're the makers of all of the children's worship wooden manipulatives you probably have in your church or even use when you were younger. It's an American company. And they have helped me with this. So it's basically the similar idea. Each day there's a block that goes along with the story. It's got a symbol on it. You open it up, and over the course of uh, uh, Lent, or over Advent, sorry, over Lent, <laughs> You uh, work your way through, and on Good Friday, you put nails in the cross and all this. And then on Easter, you turn it around, and you're invited to kind of decorate the back in a colorful way that you'd like. And there's an empty tomb at the bottom. So it's kind of a manipulative. This is really geared towards um, uh, fifth grade school. I could see you using something like this. Um, the book itself uh, is something that could be used probably, you know, second grade and through middle school. This is really just scripture pack passages reflections, um, and kind of a, a liturgy. Uh, one of the things I should just point out here, and I'll be done with commercials soon enough, there's kind of a plan here, and actually this is so good. God's timing is perfect, because this was all supposed to come together last year. And it didn't. Everything fell apart last year. I had doors slammed in my face. All year, talking to publishers, no, we're not interested. Nobody was doing anything. A girl in my class comes in the first day of school and shows me a devotional that her, her um, 
grandfather wrote, and I found out about this publisher, and they were super excited, and they took me without any, <laughs> without any work and effort. It was like I had to kind of let go and give up, and then it just like fell into my lap. Uh, yeah, um, and it's actually the same publisher as the CSI Bible curriculum, uh, Creator Publications. Um, but this year, the stars have lined for our, for our school. Spring break does not overlap Easter. It doesn't. Easter comes after, so you could actually do. Holy Week. Um, and so what this is, is it leads you from um, uh, the triumphal entry through Christ's resurrection. And there's actually a plan in here at the front. This is with teachers in mind here. Um, if you were going to actually read it over Holy Week, well, this is probably more at home because you're not going to see your kids on Saturday and Sunday. If you wanted to do it during a school week, so that you would do this the Friday before, kind of gives you the schedule there. And then there's this one. If you were just to do one a week throughout, so you just do it on your Friday, you know, whatever, that would kind of lead you through. So, both, the book is actually, so they're going to be released in November. The book is actually already available on Amazon. I'm not selling books here because I'm not a vendor, and I didn't pay $500 for a table in the, the lobby there. Um, but, um, but it is available if you want to see it, and if people want to see copies of it, check it out up front here. The Cross, I'm getting the final versions of it. There's two versions. There's the hardwood laser engraved ministry budget version. So the people who are going to buy just years and years and years at like a church where they have just money set aside for this. Then there's the pine black uh, sticker on the front. So there's colorful stickers. Each one, there's a sticker, a color for each one, um, which is more of the family teacher version. And that's, so I'm waiting for those to come in the mail. Uh, the blocks will be available for purchase through the company, not through Amazon. This can get to you in two days, <laughs> you know, if you're Amazon Prime or whatever. But these are going to be available in the next couple weeks, and my hope is to kind of promote it from now and uh, through through Lent. So information there. This is a Facebook page where I'll put information. And as we get closer, I'll include some videos about how you might use it in your classroom and that kind of thing. But, um, yeah. So that's it. That's what I have for today. The, the link for the session is right here. If you have questions, uh, feel free to come on up front. Um, did we end a little early? That's fine. You get a good seat for worship or in your car or whatever you're doing. Uh, but thank you. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, have a great rest of your CEA. Just